any business or service or product can benefit from influencer marketing. The only thing is you need to make sure that influencers align with what you're doing and that it doesn't just seem random. You're listening to the Small Business Mastermind, a podcast created to help small businesses juggle business, finance, health, and wellness. I'm your host, Morgan Berna. The Small Business Mastermind is brought to you by Olympia Benefits. If you're looking to reduce your healthcare costs, visit olympiabenefits.com. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Small Business Mastermind. This time, we're talking to Rachel Antony, a social media influencer and marketer, about how small businesses can leverage influencer marketing. We talk about the benefits of this type of marketing, how it can help you reach a highly engaged audience in your region, how to properly reach out to influencers, negotiate timelines and budgets, and more. If you've never looked into influencer marketing or you just want to learn more about it, this is a great episode for you. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Small Business Mastermind. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Rachel Antony is the owner of Poolside Digital, a digital marketing agency helping brands connect with their audience through social media. She is also a blogger and influencer with a passion for writing, photography, and supporting local businesses. Rachel is also the host of Poolside Podcast, which shares the stories and advice of business owners and entrepreneurs. When she's not working, you'll find Rachel working out, spending time with her dog and fiance, and hiking in the Rockies. Awesome. So I wanted to start off this episode just giving a little bit of context for our audience that maybe doesn't know. Um, Could you explain what an influencer is or maybe just what the term influencer marketing means and what, yeah, what it means? Yeah. um, Influencer is such a funny word and it's so funny like how integrated it is now, but I remember when it, it wasn't a word and I never used it to describe what I was doing, but an influencer can, in my opinion, can be anybody that is sharing information to other people. Um, but in a more relevant term to what we're talking about, influencer marketing is using people as individuals to share products or services really like an advertisement. Um, but because it's more personal, um, it has been shown to be more, uh, beneficial to marketing tactics, but that is really what influencer marketing is. Mm -hmm. So I'd seen online an article saying just not to confuse it with necessarily uh, word of mouth marketing or um, getting people to just advertise your products organically. It is finding a person who has a specific audience you want to go after essentially, correct? Yes. And having a conversation about the type of content that's being created. It's more if you're going to compare like word of mouth to advertising, it falls in the middle of that is what I would say. So it's not as organic as word of mouth. Um, but it's not as set up and planned as an ad would be. Yeah. Awesome. And so you do a little bit of influencer marketing yourself and you also work with brands on their marketing. Could you tell us a little bit about how you got started in both just the marketing and the influencer side of it? And maybe if you have any specific collaborations that come to mind, you want to talk about to, again, just help give some context on what you've done. Yeah, totally. So I started a blog, um, five years ago this summer. And I only started it because I was, I did communications as my degree and I was in a comms class and the professor asked everybody who had a blog and literally the whole class put up their hand. And I was like, well, I guess I need to go home and start a blog. (laughs) Yep. I was in communications too. Same story. (laughs) Yeah. It was bizarre. I was like, how did all you people know that you're supposed to have a blog? But so that was probably 
oh, I don't even know, eight years ago, eight or nine years ago. And so I had different iterations of, of the blog. I really liked writing. So I realized that that was a good outlet to get away from papers in university and really just be able to write freely and learn how to write like a normal person. Since I wasn't in journalism, um, I was just used to writing like research papers. And so, um, there's a couple different types of blogs, but, uh, five years ago I was like, Hey, like, let's do this for real. Let's get a website. We'll do a real blog. I don't exactly remember why I thought that that was what I wanted to do or what the, what the influence was for me to start a blog. But, um, either way I sat down, I came up with the name in like five seconds and then made the, made the URL, did the whole thing. And, and I had started with like, I was just going to be Martha Stewart and do literally every category I could think of. And then as it's evolved, I didn't, it didn't work out to do every category. turns out you can't do everything. And as I was writing these blogs, I was like, I have nothing really to say that's important to people. Um, and this was before, like I said, this was before the term influencer even existed. This was just, I was just becoming a blogger. Instagram wasn't even what it is today. It wasn't being used in the same way. And so I wanted to tell other people's stories. And I think it was a little bit that I regretted not going to journalism school that I was like, Oh, maybe I'll pretend I'm a journalist and get to know other people. And so I reached out to a few small businesses in Calgary. Um, a couple of them, the one people know is local laundry. So they had started shortly before I had started this. And so I reached out to them and other businesses to ask if I could just interview them and take a couple photos with their products and share them on the blog. And so that's really how my blog got going. And that was how I decided to focus on local businesses because it was just easy access to them. And Instagram became the traffic driver to the blog. And then as Instagram evolved into what it is today and more with the influencer marketing, um, what I was doing and what other people in the space were doing, we were termed influencers, not necessarily by choice. I spent a good year trying not to use the term to describe what I was doing, but at the end of the day, it's the perfect word, obviously, to what I was doing. And so that was really how I got into being an influencer with no, there was, I didn't wake up to start the blog to be an influencer. It was just the path that happened based on what I chose to create my blog about. It made it really easy to integrate what I was already doing and promoting businesses in Calgary to turn it into more of an influencer marketing perspective. And then on the other side, I also own a digital marketing company. And so I started doing around the same time I started doing Instagram for other businesses. So I had friends that owned like a t-shirt company or the place I was getting my nails done. And, um, I had featured the salon on my blog as a business. And then we'd started chatting and, and I was like, Oh, I can do your social media. Like I'll post for you. This is fun. And same with the, my friends that had a t-shirt company. I was like, I can do it. Like, this is what I like to do. You don't have to pay me. It's all good. And so that was, um, about the same time, probably about, yeah, probably five years ago where I really started getting into that. And, um, it was easy to do my own Instagram, but then also do other people's Instagrams, um, and social media. So I spent a lot of time learning about it, learning the trends and figuring out how to run it as a business, but also to run it as a a person. And I mean, now as an influencer and personal branding, but again, those terms weren't something that we were talking about at the time and, um, it went hand in hand. And so that's how I've grown into this pathway. And then, um, two years ago, almost two and a half years ago, I quit my full-time job to be uh, the owner of my business. And so I've been doing that ever since. And the influencer marketing has been something that I offer clients if they're interested or have been brought on as contracts to different events or clients that just need the influencer marketing because I have the experience of being the influencer, that it helps with putting together programs from the other side, because then you get both sides 
of the business and people are, are learning and there's much more understanding about what's happening, but, um, it's sometimes it's a struggle between influencers and businesses because you can't see from the other side. And so it's hard to understand where each person is coming from. And so that was the long winded version of how I got here today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but some of the, the companies that I work with as an influencer, the biggest one or the longest one, um, is Under Armour. So I'm an ambassador for Under Armour. And that was really, that happened three years ago. They reached out to me and that was from just posting about fitness and lifestyle. And I think they were looking for cross Canada ambassadors. And so I was lucky enough to get in contact with them. And so that's been great. Um, I know we're going to talk about it later down the road, but that one is not paid. I just get like a box of stuff every few months with all of their new like shoes or collections or whatever they're coming out. Um, the other one that isn't paid that is also fairly big is NFL Canada. So I am an ambassador for them too, which yes, I saw you on the homepage of my TikTok. Yeah, that was really embarrassing, but that was cool. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, super cool. And so that's been a really fun partnership to not only involve my fiance in what I do, but also just give me something else to post about. So those are the ones that are just ongoing ambassadorships, which is a type of influencer marketing that you can set up. And then other companies that I've worked with that are, um, that people would know is Tim Hortons, ATV Financial, South Center Mall, Staples, Strongbow, lots of wine companies. There's been a, in, in four years or three or four years that I've been doing this, seriously, you can hit a lot of companies, but those are ones that I've worked with uh, multiple times and with longer partnerships. So they are worth noting. Absolutely. That gave me a couple of thoughts. So first, when you were talking about when the term influencer came about, I remember when that was all happening. And now these days you hear that kids are growing up saying, I want to grow up to be an influencer. And I think it's so funny how quickly that shifted. From, yeah, it's wild. I had a girl yeah. reach out to me in university. This was a couple of years ago. And she's like, well, I want to be a blogger. I yep. was like, like, what do you think I should do? I was like, I think you should get a real job. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't, didn't know that that was like a career path you could choose, but yeah, people are now it's a thing because you can make money off of it. So yep. yeah. What a weird thing to aspire to. <laughs> and then I was thinking just for, for clarification for everyone. So you're talking about your blog, but then also social media. So when you're talking about your blog, um, you're talking about like a physical website that you have. And then on the social media side, you're talking about like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, that sort of thing. Yes. Is that how you're using it? Yeah. Just in case. I know some people, sometimes the term blog gets thrown around these days for all kinds of different platforms. Just clarifying that. Yeah. It's a real website with a real URL. Yeah. So in companies, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So companies thinking about uh, influencer marketing, there's different channels that this can be done on. Yes. What are some types of collaborations a small business could do with a local influencer? Would this only be on the social media side? Would it also be on blogs or even like an in-person event? Yeah, you can. I mean, those are all of them. You, <laughs> that was, There's <laughs> definitely different types of collaborations. And I think part of deciding which one works is obviously what you're trying to promote. And if it's an event, um, being in person is obviously the way to go. Um, but, but yeah, so I think you just want to think about what the outcome is and what your business is would make a difference. But some of the different types, like you said, you can go to events. I've been invited where you have to stay for a certain amount of time and you have to post about it, that you're there to get the hype up for whatever it is, whether it's like a restaurant opening or, um, I went to like a Porsche car reveal or something like that, or, yeah. 
Um, Market Mall had like a Christmas thing that I said went to that. So there are different types of events that um, usually that people can go to later. Um, they're usually like a launch or something. That's the best way to do it. But then also you're just creating, mm-hmm. um, it, it looks cool. And I really hate events like that, that, that they want influencers there to just post about because you want other people to get FOMO. I'm not really into that, but it is a type of how you can, uh, bring influencers to your events. If you need more people to show up, then you can invite influencers to come. Um, the timeline is interesting. Like the required timeline to be there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, again, we can get into the budget and stuff. Cause I know this all kind of ties in, but, yep, um, the, de- the, uh, expectations and the outlines of what is expected can depend on whether or not there is a budget, but usually businesses, especially now, like I said, people are learning. So they protect themselves by not being like, Hey, come to this event. And then someone shows up for one second and then leaves because that's not really the point. Um, yeah. and so yeah. that's kind of, I think where the timeline came around just so that they actually get people there in real life. And it's not just a one, one shot thing. Um, but then the other ones can be showcasing whatever your services. So whether that's going, I mean, it's hard now with COVID, but going into person to be like, to get your hair done or, um, to try on clothes or whatever that is, or at a restaurant. Um, the other one is just product placement in photos. If you have, like I said, like clothes or whatever it is that you're trying to promote, you can have people just post on their social media. Um, and then blogging is really good as well. And I know there's not a lot, there's less bloggers now than there were before because lots of people think that blogs are slowly dying because people aren't reading them, but they're a benefit to brands and businesses, not only because not to, to age some of the people that own businesses, but lots of, um, that generation still read things. And so they appreciate a longer article. Um, and I also find that blog posts are more evergreen and so you can link to them. People can search them like SEO lives on forever. And that's, and they're a little bit longer. You can add more photos. It's much more in depth. And so I, I mean, obviously as a blogger, I value blogs, but that's one of the ways it works out for both parties. I wanted to ask, so you were just mentioning there, um, going in for like a haircut, also going to events. So Influencer marketing really expands to not only products, but services as well. Yeah, it can be any business or service or product can benefit from influencer marketing. The only thing is you need to make sure that influencers align with what you're doing and that it doesn't just seem random on their feed because the way like all marketing works is if people have to see things like seven times or hear things or whatever, and not saying you have to provide an influencer with seven experiences. But if they're talking about like hairstyling over and over again, and then they show up at a salon, it, it makes sense. But if you are only talking about fitness, fitness, business, and then show up at a hair salon, then the connection isn't really there. And so I think it makes it look less authentic and more like an ad if we're using that scale, um, as opposed to someone who already talks about the types of things that you're promoting. And there is ways to tie them in. And that's a a collaborate that's part of the collaboration between a brand and a person. And so that is something you can do, but any business can use influencer marketing because you're just showcasing what you're offering. And the way to look at it is that you want to provide the influencer with the best experience, whether that's a product experience or service experience or event experience that you can offer because people are going to decide whether or not to buy your product or service based on what they're seeing. So you want the influencer to be able to talk about it in the most positive 
light so that that trickles down to their audience, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's pretty obvious these days when the match isn't organic or it isn't a product the influencer would ever use. And I see more and more people calling people out in the comments saying, Hey, you mentioned this product. How come you've never shown it again? How come you've never used it again on your stories or on your, your posts? So on that note, how can a business find not only an influencer that lines up with their business, but maybe if they're like a local smaller business, how would they find yeah, someone that lines up and someone that's in their region. So it's especially important for like brick and mortar businesses or ones that need like a Calgary, for example, in Calgary, you would want Calgary influencers with a Calgary audience. And so I recommend the easiest one is if people are influencers, I guess not just all people, but if influencers have tagged you in things um, just keep track of that. Keep track of the influencers that are actually using their product or showing up at your restaurant or just tagging you in things. Um, I find that is obviously the most authentic collaboration because they're already using your product and most influencers, because that's what we do. We understand that we're sharing a product, whether or not I've bought it or not, I'm still going to share it for other people to see if I like it. And so I've gained a lot of collaborations based on that. Just like, oh, hey, we see you're using this product. Like, do you want to try our next like new product that's coming out? And so it aligns really well. So keeping track of who is using your products. I would also look at your competitors or someone in your same space and see if they've used influencers before. Um, and you can not copy those people, but kind of just see who they're using and check those people out. You can also... People do use hashtags like YYC influencer or Calgary influencer and that type of stuff. It can get a little lost in it, but I always just recommend vetting influencers. There's a couple ways to, to determine how authentic people are being. And that would be the, the comments that you're seeing or the, num the likes. Um, follower count isn't very important anymore, but it's important just to look at the engagement. And you can see the comments that are genuine from like normal people looking to buy the product or service as opposed to other influencers that are just filling up each other's comments. And I know that's a, that's a little bit too detailed, I'm sure for lots of people listening, but just as a note, when you are looking at um, influencers accounts, just to, to make sure that they have the type of audience that you are looking for as well. Um, and also if you find an influencer that you like, or you've worked with before, asking them for recommendations of other influencers is a great way to spread your network with people that you don't know. And then they've hopefully already kind of vetted those people. And so they'll recommend either their friends or people they know that would be good for your business. So that's a, a way to do it as well. Um, if you're not necessarily a local company, there are platforms online that have collections of influencers and information. Um, I would start with finding trying to vet out your own, especially if you're doing a small campaign, that's the easiest way to do it. I would also like if you find an influencer that you like, again, from either the geotag, like in Calgary or whatever city you're in, or the hashtags or just other small businesses that have used them, then you can see who they're following and who they're interacting with. And they most likely are following all the other influencers in the city. So just going through their follower list or seeing who's interacting with theirs, their posts, you can kind of find a couple more that way as well. Yeah. On the, the note you made about follower accounts, um, I moved to Calgary about two years ago and I was looking for some local influencers to not only see what people were up to in the city, but I wanted to find, yeah, what's the network? 
What are the products people engage with here? What are the cool local businesses I should be checking out and all that? And I found when I Googled online and was looking up, you know, just like Calgary influencers, it was doing it by follower counts. And a lot of those people were not, you could tell they'd either purchased the followers or their audience wasn't local. So it was a lot of just sort of random, maybe like meme content and stuff. And then once I actually found, I think I found your account and then I looked sort of through your list of followers and who you're following to find some of, I think, your friends and just other people. And then it started to, to open up and make a little more sense. But the follower account can be tricky. So just keep an eye out for that. Yeah, exactly. And then to, to just talk about the type of influencer. So once you found, mm-hmm. like, there, there are lots, it's easy to find them all. But then deciding who really works for your business or brand, the easy way is just to look at their account because you can tell pretty quickly if you align with what they're posting about or let's say like if they're a mom or not a mom, like you can kind of figure that out. Maybe you have a more family friendly thing you're trying to promote. Well, you obviously need someone with kids to promote that. Um, just keeping that in mind, which is common sense, but I feel like a lot of people just reach out without even looking at your account. So it's important. Yep. It also makes you look more uh, legit and actually interested if you've spent at least five minutes looking at the account um, instead of just like copying, pasting a message to every influencer that you've found. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so I would just keep track. I always recommend people just to, if you have the time, if you have like a week is to just keep track of what these people are posting. Um, like what are they posting on stories? Where are they going? What do they do during the day? And you can kind of just get to know people in kind of a creepy way, which is obviously what social media is for, but it, when you're so focused on people, it can feel like you're stalking them, but that you get to know the type of people (laughs) that they are. (laughs) So on that note then, so say we've now found someone we want to reach out to, they're aligning with us. What's the best way for a brand to reach out? Um, so that not only it sounds like a real opportunity for the influencer, because I imagine it, it can sound kind of spammy, um, sometimes, and maybe just to make sure that, yeah, it's going to be a great fit. I think, I mean, I think it's probably subjective to an influencer, but personally, I don't need it to be super formal. I don't need an email that's like, to whom it may concern, we have this great opportunity. Like that sounds like spam to me. I would much rather a more personable message, but DMs, I think a lot of brands are, don't feel comfortable DMing influencers because that seems really unprofessional, but that's where we live. Like I will check my DMs way more often than I check my emails. So if you want to connect with somebody that has also shown you've looked at their account and you found their account, um, DMing them is totally fine. Usually brands, or if I reach out to influencers through my client accounts, usually I'll ask for an email to then move it off Instagram into a more professional space. So, Hey, um, we have this new product or we want you to come to our restaurant opening or whatever it is that you're offering. Um, we would love to have you do have an email to send you more details if you're interested kind of thing. And so then the influencer has the opportunity to look at your Instagram account because every influencer before you even work with anybody, you're looking at their, their Instagram account. So it's easier if it's just coming through a DM because then you have a direct access to whatever account or brand that it is. And, um, and then if you're interested, then you can make that decision like, Hey, like, no, I'm not interested. And then there's no email or you can be like, yeah, here's my email. And then it moves to the email. So it's kind of filtering out your email before your inbox gets bombarded with all of these collaboration requests. So that's how I recommend doing it. I think if you want to just reach out straight through email, all influencers have their emails in their bio as well. 
if you find that that's more aligned with your business and your brand, um, or your Instagram account, maybe it looks spammy, which you should fix. But if, if it just doesn't look the way you want it to look using an email, um, will also work if maybe your product isn't necessarily an Instagram worthy thing, but it's still a, a big service or business or whatever, then email does work. But I think just coming off as personable, you don't have to say like, Oh, Hey, like, how's your vac? Well, we don't go on vacation right now, but how's your vacation? Like at Christmas, <laughs> like it doesn't need to be some like cheesy line, but, yeah. um, you can make like, Oh, Hey, like I saw you were enjoying the patio on the weekend or just something to show that you were, you looked at it or like I get, because I do a lot of donut things. I get a lot of people that are like, that say something about donuts or like, Oh, Hey, like, <laughs> did you try like this brand? Like, it's just like a thing, yeah. which means that they like, for me, it means they actually looked a little bit closer to know what I post about. And so I think having something like that and then explaining what you want, like, again, this could be subjective, but I like people to get to the point. Like, I don't want to have to have five emails for you to tell me what you want because at the end of the day, you, you want something because this is a business interaction. So be friendly about it. Um, but I do like when people get to the point, like, Hey, we, we have a new one coming out. We'd love for you to, uh, experience it. Can we send you some, if that's what the pitch is, then great. Like, can we have your address? And then it's more less emails because nobody want, needs to spend that much time in their inbox. And so just getting to the point with what you're trying to get from the influencer without making it sound that abrasive, but that's the best way to do it. In my opinion. Good point about it being a business interaction. I feel like there's been, especially as the term influencer was coming up a lot of sort of language around trying to avoid calling it a business almost, but that's what it is at the end of the day. It's just a business interaction. It doesn't need to be so complicated. Exactly. So once a business has reached out, how do expectations for a collaboration get set? So, um, they're reaching out. Maybe they don't know exactly what they want to do with the influencer, but they know they want to work together. Who at that point starts to set expectations? I guess, what are the next steps? So I think this, this can go lots of different ways. And again, it depends on what you're trying to, what your end result is with the influencer marketing, which just as a side note, I think people need to establish that before they reach out to influencers. Um, mm -hmm, so yep. you know what you're trying to get before, cause it shouldn't be like, yes, you can collaborate with an influencer for the creative part or like how to do it. Um, but you shouldn't be collaborating with the influencer about like what you even want to achieve because that's not the influencer's job. And it makes it all just really confusing if, if you're not set in what you're trying to achieve with it. And so it, again, so it depends. So if you are a small business, we'll go with the example of a small business. Again, kind of just explain what it is that you're looking for. And then it's best for you to set what you're looking for as an expectation and then go from there because the influencer can then determine how that falls in with what they think it's worth instead of being like, instead of the brand asking the influencer what they think, it's best just to be like, this is what we were thinking. How do you feel about it? And then depending on what the influencer thinks, then you can negotiate from there. So if you're, um, if you're the small business, you're like, Hey, we have, um, what's an example. We have a new t-shirt coming out. We would love to, to send you one. Would you be interested in posting a post and a couple stories to shout us out? 
So that's the email. And then the influencer can decide, is it worth just the t-shirt? Do I want to do a post in my feed? Is this going to go with my feed? Um, how many stories is too many stories? It, do I need to charge? So there's like both sides can have their expectations, but I think it's best for the brand to just start it off because it just, like I said, it just speeds up the process, less emails. This is what you're looking for. And then again, before you send that, decide what you're willing to negotiate. So if you need someone to post on their feed, then you have to be willing to negotiate that because sometimes like I have a lot of ones, especially if it's a small business or there's no budget where sometimes I'm like, that's not going to work on my feed. Um, sorry. And so then it's a negotiation for whether you're willing to let that go and just do stories or if that's something really important to you and then you have to find a different influencer or, um, offer a budget. Yeah. And, and on the topic of budgeting, how can that be set? Um, would you again suggest a company comes with something in mind? Um, is there a way for companies to see what an influencer might be charging? Cause I don't know if there's often a ton of visibility there. Yeah. So, um, again, it's all, it can all be done very many different <laughs> ways, but either you can say what your budget is and be like, Hey, I have $200 for this. What can you do for me? Uh, kind of thing, or I have $200. Can I get a post and some stories? And that's where you are. And then the influencer can come back and tell you if that works for their rate or not, since you don't know where you're hitting in their rate. Um, you can also ask for a media kit. So influencers have media kits, just like any press kit with businesses that show their followers and their engagement, um, past collaborations they've had usually, and then rates. So some of them include rates, some of them don't, but you can ask for that. And some of them will have their rates on their media kit. So then you can know how much they're going to charge. That can also be a question just to go back um, for the initial email. If you're like, here, this is what I was thinking. Do you mind sending your media kit over so I can just look at it or whatever? Yeah. Um, most, most influencers will send a media kit because there's no obligation. It's just like, yeah, here's my information. Let me know if you want to work together. Or you can outline what you're looking for. This is a little tricky with small businesses because you probably don't have an unlimited budget. However, you can be like, this is what I'm looking for. Um, can you let me know what your rate would be for this um, outlined below? So then that gives the influencer the chance to let you know what they would normally charge for that. And then if it comes in with whatever you're expecting, then great. And if not, you can be like, oh, hey, like our budget's not that big. Would you mind either reducing posts or changing things up or working with a budget that we have, which is $200. So I think there's definitely different ways to come at it. The other thing is, which I think is obvious, but just to say it, what the more that you're expecting from an influencer, the higher the budget is going to be, um, mostly because it's more work, but also if you're looking for specific creativity or you're looking for exclusivity, you are limiting them from either their creative freedom or you're limiting them from working with other brands and making business business or making money with other businesses. And so that's just something to keep in mind. Brands, I mean, as a business owner, everyone thinks that their business is the best business and why would anyone else want to use something else? But for every email that you've sent, an influencer has got 25 other ones that are probably the same business. So I think just keeping an open mind and being flexible with the influencer and in hopes that the influencer is doing the same for you. So it is a two-way street. I'm sure there's lots of influencers that aren't great to work with. And I'm sure like, and I've worked with lots of brands that haven't been ideal, but I think if everyone comes out and is transparent, 
and has open communication about what everyone is looking for, then I think the relationship and the collaboration uh, would work out. Mm-hmm. And would would like expectations around results typically be an immediate kit as well? Like how many likes you typically get or that sort of thing? Yes. So I don't know if like likes specifically, but like your followers and your engagement rate, which engagement rate is the number of likes and comments and shares compared to how many followers you have. So that's an important metric to look at. You can also ask, so I've had brands and PR companies ask for screenshots of my like last post that usually that's related to their business. So if it's like a restaurant post, like, Hey, can you send me this screenshot of your analytics from your last restaurant post or of demographics? So if you want to make sure that they're in Calgary or in Canada, you can ask them for screenshots of their analytics since obviously nobody can see them except for the influencer. So, um, that is something that you don't have to feel weird about asking. It's a normal thing. Mm-hmm. And usually, sorry. And usually that would be on a media kit, but say they don't have that information or they don't have a media kit, then, um, asking for screenshots is also acceptable. Okay, great. I was going to ask you how far in advance of a promotion, a company should reach out, but I imagine this is something again, that depends, but maybe adding into that, how long would it typically take you to create like a post on your Instagram feed for a business? So I think on average people usually, especially if something's being like mailed to you, usually it's, um, you have two weeks after receiving the product to create your post. Um, I think that is a reasonable amount of time. I always, I work from home, so I have the luxury of being able to take photos during the day or have access to my photographers during the day. But a lot of people, if you had, I mean, again, not now during COVID, but in normal life, you would have to work on the weekends. And so having two weeks, at least it gives people two weekends to create the content, Um, especially if you're looking for, like, if you wanted it like in the mountains or you want like a video or something that takes up more time that isn't just a shot in someone's living room then giving them the time to be able to create that is beneficial for both parties. Um, And it also depends on if you want to see the photo before they post it or if you want to see the content. So this is something, again, that is subjective. If you have a budget and you're paying for this post, I highly recommend people have an approval timeline so that you can make sure that what they're posting lines up with what you were thinking and also that the caption uh, says the proper key messages or whatever it is that you're trying to promote. So just so that you're not surprised when they post, you're like, Oh, that's not what I was thinking. And it's your responsibility to take that and make sure that they are capturing what you wanted to, even if you've talked about it and they're like, yeah, this is the idea that I'm going to do. I think just having that expectation that there's going to be approval, at least so you know what's going to be posted. Um, but that should tie into the timeline. So if you want to be, have approval, then you should tie that into the two weeks. And so for example, you could say, I would like to see your post and caption in two weeks, and then you can post in three days or like a week later. And I prefer when there's actual dates, like you need to send me this by June 7th. Can you please post on June 12th or whatever, just to, just so everyone what's supposed to happen. Um, but yeah, so I think I think it can be shorter. Like I've definitely had campaigns that are shorter depending on, on what it is, but giving people a heads up is just a respectful thing to do, I think with timeline. And then you don't have to worry about last minute content being sent to you. 
Mm-hmm. You'd mentioned um, a little bit ago that you'll get some things that you just say aren't a good fit for your brand and your feed. What's the typical process like here for creative direction? So does a company typically reach out and say, like, this is the caption we want, this is the photo we want, or is it a little more, the ball's a little more in your court and you say, this is how I would use the product, so I'm going to post that? Yeah, I mean, as an influencer, I obviously prefer more creative direction, or, yeah, creative direction, and so I can choose what I want to do with it um, without somebody telling me, since I know the type of photos that I would pick um, and how I would use this product. That goes back to the brand actually looking at your feed because I've worked with lots of brands where this wasn't communicated and I've had some issues with having to reshoot some stuff um, more on what they were looking for. But if if you're hiring an influencer, specifically them, then you must like the type of content that they're creating. And so you should allow them to create the content how they would do it, is my personal opinion. Um, however, I do understand that brands also have a brand uh, that you have to follow. And so lots of times... Again, with budget, this is a lot easier because you can ask for more if you're paying them. But either way, whether it's paid or not, if you send with your proposal or contract or whatever, if you send a creative brief, it helps a lot. So at least an influencer can understand where you're coming from. So this can include the key messages you want included. Um, I've never had a, a brand give me a caption to post. Um, I've had a couple friends have had that happen to them and it never goes over well. I think, especially if you're giving some sort of creative direction on the photo or video, then allowing someone to say the caption in their own words is really important as long as they're hitting key messages. Like it, it obviously needs to sh- share what the business is trying to get across. But I think just providing key messages uh, will work. And in the creative brief, you can also include examples of photos that you like. So if you have a beer and you want it to be on a patio, assuming the influencer has access to some sort of situation like that, then including photos that showcase that or showcase how a product is being put into a photo. It's really helpful just so that the influencer knows where the brand is coming from. And I also appreciate if a brand just asks what I was thinking, if I have any ideas and I can also send inspiration to them. And that makes it much more collaborative because sometimes I might use a product different than the business ever even thought about. Or um, I had, a uh, just as an example, I worked with an alcohol company last year and what they were expecting was a, not a rooftop patio, but like a patio overlooking a view and sitting with my fiance on this romantic sunset Italian dinner that I made, which uh, seems outrageous just to tell somebody that that's what you want, because that would be an ad. Like you should hire somebody to just create that, that look. And I tried to tell her so many times that I live in a house in a construction zone. So I don't have a backyard. I have a deck that looks onto houses being built. Like I literally cannot create that photo that you want. So that's, it's not doable. And so it was a struggle between what they were looking for very specifically and what I could provide with with what I have. And so, um, that's just, and not all collaborations like that was, it's a pain point from my last summer. So it's in my mind still, but, um, it's just something to keep in mind that even if you have this really great image in mind that an influencer might not be able to deliver exactly what you're looking for, because that's not how they would deliver it. And that's just something you have to keep in mind because like I said, then if you really want a specific 
photo, then you should just hire models and set up the set for it um, because you really want the influencer to showcase how they would use it because that's what their followers are looking for is their real life examples. Um, but most of the time, sorry, that was really drawn out too from your question, but no, that gave me some, some good ideas for sure. Yeah. And so influencers, like if you just ask for ideas, then they will happily send what they were thinking, but it does help if you have some sort of idea in mind and just so that that's communicated so that the influencer doesn't go to take the photo and they're like, wait, what am I supposed to do? Like, what kind of photo is this? Because you want both parties to be happy. And so just having a little, a little idea from both sides keeps everybody on the same page. And a a key point, I think I just got out of what you were saying there was remember that you're advertising now to the influencers audience. It's a new audience. So if you were looking to just do like a tailored ad and the normal caption that would go to your audience, you should just post that on your own channel, but give the influencer credit that they know their audience they know the kind of content that they'll engage with, I think is kind of what I was getting from you. Yeah, exactly. And that's included in the caption with their own voice because you can tell when someone has written their caption themselves and then it becomes irrelevant because then nobody's interested in, in even looking at what the influencer is promoting because it already is too much like an ad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it can be very obvious because those people are following that influencer usually with quite a bit of dedication and they know their voice. And if suddenly they're typing in this complete other way, it's pretty obvious. Exactly. Awesome. So if a company sends an influencer free items, um, is it expected that they'll review or post about these items? Or is that more of just, there's an understanding there that it's here's something, if you'd like, you can post about it. Again, from the influencer side, just being sent something and if you want to post about it is the way that I like to receive those things because then there's no pressure. But from a business side, obviously you would prefer if they posted about it. Um, I think the the best free things that I've received are the ones that stand out when you get them and that are that you want to share. So for example, um, I shared this on my stories. I think it was like six months ago. I had a, they were like chips, but it wasn't chips. It was some sort of like healthy version of a chip company from Montreal reach out and they're like, Hey, we have, um, these new flavors coming out. Can we send them to you? We just want to know what you think. So we just want you to try these flavors. Just let us know. No obligation, nothing. Just like, we just want to send them to you. And I'm like, okay, cool sure, here's my address. So they send them and it comes in this box that has three bags of all of their new flavors, but it also was like a self-care kit. So there was like a to-go tumbler and a candle and like this notebook and pen and, and this whole like experience of their product as opposed to just sending. Yeah. And it was, and they don't have to do it. Like, I understand that that takes budget and and money to send that. Mm-hmm. However, it stood out amongst the other free things that I received within that week. And then I posted about it. Cause like, cool. Thanks. Like look how thoughtful this company is. Um, and then I try the chips and send them whatever I thought, but it wasn't really about the product. It's more about the experience of the product. And that's what makes it stand out. Even though it was, there was no budget, there was no obligation and there was no, anything about it. They were just creating an experience for me so that I would think of their brand in a positive light. And obviously as a business in hopes that I would share 
that experience with other people, which I did. I mean, I shared it on my stories because I thought it was just something different that brands aren't really doing. Um, I do understand that businesses, like I said, want to have their products posted about. So if that's not something that you can afford or you want to put together because it's labor intensive to get all that stuff together, I think you can reach out to influencers and send them a product. And I think, again, it just goes back to expectations that you can ask for them to post like, sorry, we don't have a budget, but we would love if you shared this on your social media. And I think then that just comes down to the influencer and how they feel about the product, how they feel it would fit on their feed. Because I've got lots of free things that I've posted about because it fits with either it's local. Like I, as a local influencer and a local blogger, I most of the time will post local products for free as long as it fits in with my brand because I don't expect payment from the people in my city because that's the whole point of my blog was to support small businesses in Calgary. However, I just think the expectation can't be there because like we said at the beginning, this is a business transaction. So if I was to just post everything for free, then I'm not making any money. And as much as I love free food or free shirts or free skincare, they don't pay the bills. And so I think it's just an understanding and transparency between the brand and the influencer. And you can't expect someone to post something for free on the platform that they've built and the audience that they've worked hard to build that loyalty without a budget because they are a business, but it's like, it doesn't hurt asking. Um, especially if you just do it over DMS or, um, just be nice about it. Like you just want to share this with them. If they, if they like it, they can post about it kind of thing. I think that's the best way to go about it because you don't want to create tension or come off as pushy especially if it's free, because the whole point of the influencer platform is that they're sharing their thoughts. And if you come off as selfish like that, then what's stopping them from sharing their bad experience as well? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Not to put you on the spot, (laughs) but I wanted to see if you had any, um, an example of a favorite collab either you've gotten to do, or maybe one of your friends um, with like a local brand. So my favorite collaborations especially within the last couple years have been ones that are experiences and again I understand that this is hard sometimes for brands to pull off Um, but I would much rather have a cool experience than post a photo and be paid for it which I know kind of contradicts what I just said but just from a collaboration perspective experiences are way more fun and they allow for more of an experience of the brand so one of my favorite ones was, and they're not in Calgary, but he, this guy in Nova Scotia owns a, an apparel company, an outdoor apparel company, and he wanted to spread into Western Canada. And so he gathered, I think there was eight of us. There was eight influencers. Um, half of them were photographer influencers and the other half of us were just influencers with a camera. And he came out here and he brought us all to Canmore and we stayed at the base camp hotel in Canmore. And it was a three day like mountain excursion thing where all we were really doing was taking photos of his clothes, which he brought. We got a ton of it. Um, they set up little like bags in the rooms and we really got to like, I'm still friends with all the people that I went on that little retreat with, even though I was terrified before I went because I didn't know anybody. Um, but it was a cool experience to get to know like the owner of the company. Cause he was there. He stayed with us the whole time. 
and we're doing what we love because the, the girl who put together the influencer list obviously looked at who each of us were and that we spend time in the mountains, we take photos. So being able to do that hosted by a brand was really cool. And I think it allowed just to experience the brand, get to know him. You make a connection with these people and with the brand. And that was really fun. Even now, like I still support him every time he comes out. Um, he does a little meetup. So we do that and I buy his product and I share it. And I think none of that would have happened if I didn't get that experience. So that was really cool. Um, and a really cool collaboration, um, from a local small business. And he did say like, he was like, this cost money for me to do it. Um, but in, at the end of the day, he gets branded bastards from just the connection and also a whole three days worth of content that he can post. So that was cool. Um, what other cool ones have I done? That sounds so fun. Yeah, it was super fun. Experiences yeah. are great. And some brands, it's, it's becoming more of a thing, I think, again, just to stand out. And it provides influencers with just a different thing to post about. And so I think brands are really benefiting from that if they can do it. Um, and I'm sure there's some influencers that would rather be paid. And I need payment as well for certain things. But if you can get some collaborations that are more of an experience, I think it makes up for the other ones that are more set up as photo shoots or just product shots. Um, but I'm trying to think about another cool collaboration. I mean, Under Armour has always been a cool collaboration that's also not local, but is doable from businesses that don't have budgets just to provide an influencer. You kind of become an ambassador and provide an influencer with your latest products or services without expecting anything in return and more just build that loyalty with long-term partnership as opposed to a one-off. Because I think just thinking about all the collaborations that I've done, the ones that I do enjoy more are the ones that I've built more of a relationship with the brand and the company because I get to post about them more often or hear from them more. And as opposed to just reaching out for a one, a one time thing, it doesn't seem as intimate. So, yeah. Well, and the yeah. point is for you to show that you like the products. So, I mean, if you're getting to use them on an ongoing basis, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Totally. And I literally can't think of anything off the top of my head for another <laughs> example. <That's awesome>. so. <laughs> Those are all the questions I had for you. Was there anything we missed here that you wanted to touch on? Um, I think people just need to, or business owners, um, just understand influencer marketing and understand influencers. And like I said at the beginning, really understand why they're using influencer marketing. I think any business or service or product can use influencer marketing, but doesn't necessarily mean they should be doing it. If you're just using influencers for the sake of doing using influencers without a business ROI in mind, then I don't think that it's the right time for businesses. And I think people get caught up in being like, oh, I need to use influencer marketing because everybody's using influencer marketing. And if you don't put together a campaign properly or think about the strategy behind it, then I think it's just a waste of time for everybody, really. Um, like the example of the chip company, like they obviously thought about that and put together a lot of effort to make it a successful campaign, even if they didn't have the budget to pay the influencers, as opposed to just throwing something quickly together in hopes that it works out. Um, and then I also think, like I said, again, but just to reiterate that having open communication and transparency is key with influencers. And I think building that relationship will also allow the influencer to feel comfortable about being transparent from their end. And usually, and no guarantees, don't come back to me, don't quote me on this. 
But usually if you're nice to influencers and provide that type of relationship, then they're more willing to do more for you than you initially asked. So there'll be a lot of time where I really like the person on the other end of the email and they're really helpful and they want to provide the best experience that they can with what they have. And then I will usually post more than I had initially said, just because I want to do something good for them or I want to spread word of their brand because I really like the business influencer, like everyone's or business owner. And I think everyone is here just to support each other, especially if you're local and small. I think most influencers understand that because we're all technically like small businesses and we want the support. And so I think just reaching out and creating that relationship goes a long ways, especially for like with the, the apparel company, even though that was a, a one-time experience, it's been two years since that happened and I still buy their clothing and I still talk about them. And so just creating that, that relationship and positive experience can last lo- much longer than any Instagram post would. Absolutely. These have been some really, really great points. Thank you, Rachel. I want to encourage everyone listening too to check out your podcast if they want some more information on this because you have quite a few episodes about influencer marketing from both the business side and for people interested in being influencers themselves. I'm going to have all your info linked. Could you just shout out what your where people can find you? Yeah. So my Instagram, which is where I mostly live, is at almost famous with two F's and feel free to DM me. If you have any questions about any of this, I am happy to answer them. Um, that's my main Instagram. My podcast is called poolside podcast. If you search it on all podcast platforms, my business is poolside digital, uh, CA. If you're interested in just seeing what I do and yeah, I think that's really it. Oh, and my blog is franklyray.com since we did talk about that. Frankly Ray. Yes. Okay. I'll make sure to have that all linked in the description. I could just ask you questions all day, Rachel. Rachel, being an interviewer herself, I feel like we could just bounce back and forth. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Small Business Mastermind brought to you by Olympia Benefits and an extra special thank you to Rachel for sharing all her wonderful tips and advice. If you'd like to subscribe to the podcast, visit olympiabenefits.com podcast. You can also find us on Instagram for behind the scenes videos and key takeaways from each episode by searching for the Small Business Mastermind. I hope you enjoyed this episode and got some great ideas from it. All right, that's all I've got for you today. I'll talk to you again very soon.